0: Welcome to Season 3 of the Cornerstone Bible Church Women's Bible Study Podcast, Beatitudes – The Beauty of Blessing. I'm Heather Hitzeroth, and this is Episode 2. Today we'll be looking at the second beatitude from Matthew 5-4, which speaks about mourning. What beauty can we find in mourning? Mourning and grieving cause us to think of sadness, so how can this lead to blessing? Let's find out together this week. Matthew 5.4 Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you've allowed us to study your word together this week. We humble our hearts before you and ask that you would use what we learned this week about mourning to bring about sanctifying change in our lives so that we might be drawn closer in relationship to you, as well as more like your Son, Jesus. Amen. So last week, we saw that being poor in spirit was referring to a heart that admits it is unworthy before God, a heart that without Christ's imparted righteousness does not have anything good to give to God. So when we read the next beatitude, how then do you think it could be interpreted? I think a lot of times this verse is taken out of context. When we hear or read that word mourn, we often think of sorrow or grief. And then we immediately think of sorrow and grief that we have encountered in our lives because of broken relationships or death or disappointed expectations and so much more. And the truth is God does comfort those who grieve over sorrowful circumstances in their lives. Jesus himself wept over a friend's death. We are promised time and again in the Bible that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. But in the context of the Beatitudes and in light of the previous verse, The mourning that Jesus is talking about here describes more of a spiritual mourning. And what do I mean by that? It's a mourning over not only our own spiritual poverty, but over the sins which so seriously grieve God. In other words, we see our spiritual poverty because of our sin, and we grieve over it because we know sin grieves our holy God. This mourning causes us to cry out for help. To the only one who could possibly help us we see so many examples of this in the old testament like in the book of ezra ezra is a book that tells the story of the israelites returning from exile in babylon after having been driven out of the promised land because of their disobedience and unrepentant sin in ezra 10 ezra the priest has just confronted the people about their intermarriage with pagan wives and subsequent tolerance of idolatry which God had forbidden. Ezra is undone. He is so broken over his people's disobedience, and his call to repentance leads the people to be convicted of their sin and causes them to mourn too. Listen to what it says. Ezra 10.1. While Ezra was praying and confessing, weeping and throwing himself down before the house of God, a large crowd of Israelites, men, women, and children, gathered around him, and they too wept bitterly. The book of Joel is another Old Testament example of this, and in it we see the prophet calling God's disobedient people to change. In the second chapter of Joel, the Lord tells his people to stop sinning and return to obedience. He says that with true heart repentance, not just an external change of action, mourning for sin will occur. Joel 2.12 says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. In Isaiah 6, the prophet Isaiah sees God's holiness in a vision, and he immediately falls down and mourns his own uncleanliness, crying, Woe is me, for I am unclean. Abraham, Moses, Joshua, Ezekiel, John, Those who have encountered the holiness of God are all overcome enough by their unworthiness that they fall down prostrate in self-mourning. Having sorrow over our sinful state shows us the reality of our unworthiness compared to a holy God. But it's not just in the Old Testament that we see examples of this. In the New Testament letters, we see grieving over sin in the lives of Christians, in Romans Paul often laments over his own sinful nature as it wars with his regenerated heart desires. And in James, believers are told to draw near to God, purify their hearts, and mourn over their sin. This grieving and mourning is what begins true repentance, and true repentance always leads to a beautiful comfort only forgiveness and compassion from God can give. Before we look at the blessing of comfort that comes with mourning, Let's look quickly at how Jesus modeled this beatitude, because if you remember from last week, we saw that in this mosaic of beatitudes, when all of them are put together, we'll see a picture of Christ and who His kingdom is made up of. So what example do we have in Scripture of Jesus' mourning in this way? Well, again, just like last week, we saw that our sinless Savior could not have admitted spiritual poverty, and this week— We see that again in his sinlessness he couldn't possibly mourn over his own sin but we do see jesus mourn for sin and more importantly the consequences of sin we see an example of this right after his triumphal entry in luke 1941 it says that as jesus drew near to jerusalem he saw the city and wept over it jerusalem was not acting like a city or people that was set apart for god Israel was not an example to other nations like God had intended it to be when He chose them to be His people through Abraham. And the very temple of God was being desecrated by money changers who took advantage of those who wished to worship God sincerely from their hearts by profiting off of their sacrifices. It's after this episode of mourning and weeping over how the consequences of sin were going to harm Jerusalem that Jesus goes into the temple and cleanses it and severely rebukes those who are perverting the holy house of God. We see in his example that in addition to mourning for our own personal sin and therefore repenting, because we are forgiven and set right before God and we know how sin grieves the Father, we can also now mourn for the sin surrounding us and what sin's effects have on the world that we live in. That kind of mourning causes a desire to see not just an outward change, like laws or rules that follow a moral framework, but more importantly, it causes a desire in us to see true repentance and a heart transformation of our neighbors and community, regardless of whether the laws and rules of the land reflect the morality that God has given us in His Word. And so we come to the blessing. Jesus says that those who mourn will be comforted, Jesus came to comfort when he introduced his earthly ministry by getting up and teaching in the synagogue in Nazareth. Do you remember which passage of the Old Testament he used? He unrolled the scroll of Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, 1-2 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. He is the ultimate comforter because through him is the gospel. The good news for sinners is fulfilled and completed in him. That is an enduring comfort and an everlasting comfort. Remember the story from Ezra and how the people mourned over their sinful disobedience? Well, the book of Nehemiah also recounts this same story but adds that they were reading God's law to the people, using it to convict and remind them of God's holiness and call them to repentance. It caused mourning, right? But listen to what Nehemiah says to them in response to their mourning. Nehemiah 88 through 10 says, They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, And the Levites, who were instructing the people, said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Mourning led to repentance and repentance led to blessed comfort and joy from the Lord. Do you know what one of the outcomes of that blessing is? The comfort we receive through that proper kind of mourning over sin causes us to go and be kingdom bearers of good news and offer the true comforter to those who aren't citizens. We invite them to join us so that they too would receive the comfort that we have been abundantly given. There's also an aspect of future blessing wrapped up in this beatitude that we will have in the new heavens and the new earth. We see Isaiah talk about it in Isaiah 35 and chapter 65. He prophesies about there being rejoicing, gladness, and all-consuming joy where sorrow, sighing, weeping, and crying once were and now will be no more. Revelation speaks of this too. One day sin will be removed and we won't need to mourn anymore. Mourning is temporary. Revelation 21.4 says, And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. In eternity, when we are face to face with God, we will no longer mourn for our own sin we will no longer mourn the effects of sin, and we will no longer mourn over the sinners who have rejected God, because we will be standing side by side with the multitude of those who Christ bought with his death and resurrection, and we will experience worshipping the holy God with the entire number of those who he has called to salvation. So I'll end with this. We mourn now, But we should always mourn with hope, hope brought about by the radiant light of Christ's finished work on the cross. We mourn over our sins, not wallowing in despair because we are doomed, but with an understanding that our sin grieves God. Being forgiven and knowing that sin is no longer our master because of Christ should help us to not stay in a place of mourning. We are more sinful than we realize and this should cause us sadness. But that sadness is not intended to be a long, dark place in your heart that you dwell on without hope. Dwelling with grief over your sin and not moving from that inward guilty contemplation to the upward reflection back to our God is not what the Bible shows us proper mourning is. When we mourn over our sin, even as believers, the cross becomes more glorious and we see a clearer picture of the beauty of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. If you have lost the wonder regarding the amazingness of the gospel, it could very well be that you have forgotten how grievous sin is. You might not be viewing your transgressions properly in light of God's holiness, and you may need to ask the Holy Spirit to remind your heart of the seriousness and consequences of sin. We underestimate our sinfulness far too often. I know I need to ask the Holy Spirit often to help me mourn over my sin. And when I do, He has always been faithful to ignite that mourning into a renewed wonder and appreciation of the comfort that the gospel message brings. And I know that He will be faithful to do that for you too, because in Jesus' own words, He has said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Thank you for joining me today, and I pray that your work in the study guide this week will help you understand even more what the Bible has to say about spiritual mourning. Next week, we will take a look at the third beatitude in Matthew 5:5. blessed are the meek. You can find out more information about this study on our church's website, cbcglendora.org, and in the show notes. Feel free to share this podcast with anyone who might be interested. Thanks